Welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast, a real estate podcast where we bring you stories, education, and tips for investors and real estate enthusiasts. If you're interested in investing in real estate or just want to keep a pulse on what's happening in the market, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. If you enjoy our show, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, as probably everyone on here knows, but maybe not in the recording later. Um, my name is Dave Menapace. So I'm a real estate investor. Um, I'm a co-host slash property manager. And then down in Massachusetts, I am also a realtor. Um, I had the idea of pulling together uh, Will Van Wickler, who I'll introduce in a moment, or I'll, I'll let him introduce himself, as well as Kenny uh, Bedwell. Um, again, we'll do introductions in a minute, but the reason I want to, uh, pull us three together is one of my favorite markets and one that I've been tracking for, gosh, at least five or six years now is the, uh, we call it the Sunday river area market, but really it's a combination of a few towns, specifically Newry, Maine which is where Sunday River Ski Resort is located. And then the neighboring town right next door to that is Bethel, Maine. Um, these markets are really neat because they are not necessarily known on the national scale, at least not yet. And because of the company, the resort company that owns Sunday River, which also owns a bunch of big mountains out west, there is more and more and more traffic coming to, in terms of vacationers, uh, coming year round to these markets. And at the same time, we're noticing that the price points are really advantageous uh, for hitting a lot of that sort of prestigious 20 to 30% cash on cash return. Um, so I wanted to pull this group together today just to be able to educate folks about this market. Um, so first, why don't I will, I'll give you a tiny introduction and then you can expand on it. And what's also cool is Will is episode, oh God, I don't want to get this wrong, 22 or 23 in the Hassle-Free RE podcast. So you can learn a ton about him in there outside of this. And then Kenny, oh, was it 17 or 18? I used to know these like the back sure. of my hand, but... Kenny is also there and his story is super, super neat. So um, Will is one of the top realtors in the area and is amazing with helping people in the short-term rental space. He owns a short-term rental, a ski, uh, a, a, might several uh, now, but slopeside rental right on the side of Sunday River Ski Resort. So Will, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah. So just like Dave said, um, real estate agent in the area, kind of call myself more of a real estate consultant in the area, just really helping people make informed decisions through investing. Um, kind of my niche is working with short-term rental investors now. It's an unfilled you know, hole in the market. Really, people didn't understand how it worked. It's an old sleepy resort town. So taking the market by storm and uh, working with a lot of investors and the word is quickly getting out that this is a good place to invest. So I'll kind of say most of my business is, like I said, short-term rental investors. And a lot of that is new construction uh, that we're doing up here. Love it. Love it. And I think right now, Will currently has two or three of our, our, our mastermind members under contract on different houses. And 
he also a lot of times has more to choose from off market because of the cool marketing things that he does and something that I encourage everyone to reach out to Will directly about. Um, and so our next host is Kenny Bedwell. So Kenny and I met last summer very, very briefly at the STR Wealth Conference down in Nashville. That was when I first learned about um, the website or really the tool that Kenny created. So Kenny is the CEO of STR Insights. Now, for anyone that is a investor, but also a realtor or a co-host, you know that being able to accurately underwrite a deal is like on the front end, that is really where you make your living. That is where you bring value to people and having confidence in those numbers. And before SDR Insights, yes, there were a few different tools. I think AirDNA is a popular one people have heard of. There's MashVisor. And then there was a bunch of sort of manual ways that people would go about trying to understand how much um, money or revenue one of these properties could generate. That whole industry pretty much got disrupted with STR insights where you could pay one fee and go across any zip code across the country. And you could really sort of flip it. So instead of just underwriting the house, you could underwrite the area and then back into the investment that you wanted to make. And when I saw that as powerful tool, I realized it, because I'm in different markets, Cape Cod, Maine, now New York, and also Chattanooga, Tennessee, I needed this like all encompassing tool that I could leverage both as an agent, as an investor, and as a property manager to be able to make smart business decisions. Um, and Kenny is the one that has that solution. So, uh, Kenny, hopefully I didn't talk too much. Why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, I, I think you said the, the right stuff. Yeah. So thanks for having me on Dave. Um, so everybody, I, I'm the founder CEO of Estier Insights. Also a real estate investor. I have six properties up in the Northeast, up in New York, uh, state of New York. And so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm heavily invested in this space and, and, and love, uh, finding, you know, not a lot of people invest in the Northeast and, uh, or talk about it. Um, even though it has some of the oldest and, and, uh, most traditional vacation markets in the United States. And so, uh, anyway, I'm excited to, uh, be on here and, and to share the data behind, um, what, uh, Will and Dave are going to talk about today and, and back up essentially what they're saying. So. Love it. I think the joke we made on the podcast was that the pilgrims came here to vacation and kind of got stuck. So yeah, <laughs> Pretty much, we yeah. Can, yeah, they found the U S on SDR insights back in however many hundreds of years ago. And they said, you know, we're going there. We're going to, we're going right. to set up Plymouth. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's not bad. The ROI on it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Light regulation. I, I kind of dig it. Um, so, you know, we do want this to be interactive. I know that we have most of you muted here. Um, feel free to uh, message um, any one of us or write in the message. We'll stop periodically um, to kind of like look at the messages or any of the questions that come in. Um, and yeah, we'll make this as interactive as possible. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. I'm not a huge slide deck dude, but um, it does hold some value in, in working to lead a discussion like this. Um, can everyone see my screen all right? 
I'll take that as a yes. And uh, if everyone could just, until you have a question or if you want to jump in with a comment, if everyone could just mute just to make it a little easier, um, that would be great. So uh, Sunday, the, the way we're going to kind of break this up is we're going to talk about Sunday River, Nuri and Bethel. Will is going to give everyone sort of an outline as to um, the real estate market. I'm going to be talking about different amenities or things that really help you boost the ROI uh, and what kind of houses really seem to make the most kind of money up here. And then uh, Kenny's going to give us the assist on STR insights. So with that, let's see if I can. Cool. Um, whoops. Let me go back. Will, why don't you kick things off and just kind of educate folks about the uh, about the area? Absolutely. So the Sunday River region, as we call it, is such a hotspot ski resort for a couple of reasons. Most importantly, it's the largest resort in the Northeast, soon to be the country. Boyne Resorts did a recent acquisition, so they now own the real estate, they own the land, and they own the rights to the resort. This is big for not only people in Maine, but also out of state. Most of the resorts in Maine are usually only Maine skiers going there. Sunday River is so unique just because of its location. It's close to Boston, Massachusetts. It's close enough for New York City folks to drive there. And it is a destination in a way where people are still flying in because it's only an hour and 30 minutes from the largest city in Maine, which is Portland. So geographically wise, it's super robust in that sense because it's accessible. It has the big resort amenities, but also still has that main feel that so many folks are looking for. And it goes back in time. It's been around for years and years and years, over 50 years at this point. So it has a cult-like following of skiers that enjoy the terrain and have gone up there forever. So for that reason, it's a super strong place to go. And for investors, there's a lot of year-round amenities. We're really lucky in Maine. We have four seasons. Every single one has its benefits. And from a rental perspective, we don't have a super large shoulder season. So for that reason, the area is extremely popular and it's surrounded by you know, a really quaint town of Bethel, which has the small town feel and Newry, which is home to the resort. So that is a little bit of the cool part about the area. And it's really not recognized yet on a national level. It is starting to become that way though. Yeah, once we uh, once we start kind of introducing it into the masterminds, a lot of really strong operators are like, "Ooh, kind of like the numbers that I'm seeing here." Yeah, um, you know, from in you know, just like some basics. If anyone is in here and and isn't quite as familiar with the short term rental investing space, or you know, even if you're a skier or want a good place to go hiking in the summer. And you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe I can offset my expenses by short-term rentaling my home. You know, there's a couple different things that go into just underwriting. And when we say underwriting, we're really talking about just analyzing a property from the price you're paying, what's going to cost to launch it, and then the revenue that you can make. And of course, depending on what your goals are, your underwriting standards might be strict or they might be loose, and that's okay. But really, when we talk about underwriting, you know, every investor themselves has to has to sort of think about like what are your non-negotiable investing standards you know from what you're willing to pay what you're willing to make or what you're willing to invest in in the property and only each individual investor knows that what knows what that criteria is for themselves um so there i have price return 
And then there's also operational expenses. So I won't beat around the bush, you know, uh, a house up in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, any mountain home, they're likely going to cost a little bit more to operate or sometimes a lot more to operate than a beach property, for example, where, um, you know, up in Maine, you're, you, you are dealing with snow removal. You might have higher costs uh, relating to some of the different utilities and things of that nature. And at the same time, you do find that overall your gross revenue can be higher because you do have a larger season. Like Will said, there's really no off season up in Maine. What I'd like to touch on briefly, Dave, and not to cut you off is yeah, part of the area too, is it's surrounded by towns with you know very blue collar workforce. So we do have a plethora of handyman plow people, electricians, which I think is so rare for these resort-like towns where you're very low on resources. So a lot of times finding a cleaner and a strong handyman and building a team isn't really a challenge, which is very unique to the area. That is a really, really, really good point. One of the things that I've learned, so I live four hours from my house up in Bethel, Maine, and now we're doing a handful of co-hosting up there, is that it was a lot easier for me to build my team and then build redundancies in my team up there than it is in my backyard in Cape Cod. That's only an hour to an hour and a half away, depending on where the house is located. And I know that there's still a lot of service folks in Cape Cod, but it's still for whatever reason has become a challenge where up in these areas, specifically Bethel, Maine, I have like a call list of three handymen, several plumbers, a hot tub guy that is the most reliable person I've ever worked with in my life and um, trash cleaning, you name it. It was just a lot easier to build that team and build in the inherent checks and balances that you'd want with your team from operating in my case, you know, three and a half to four hours away. So um, it is a unique thing to that market that is really, 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 really helpful. One too many. Cool. So I want to take a minute and I want to talk about what some of the qualities of the top revenue producing properties are, um, you know, because of course there's a ton of discussion around market saturation and what makes a market saturated. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say every market is saturated in the country. That's just not true. But, you know, one of the things that um, I've actually learned from following Kenny and his stories and what he teaches is that, there are specific saturations within a market. So for example, um, there, uh, well, actually I'll, I'll take Bethel, Maine, for example, last time I checked, there was something like 386, um, three bedroom chalets up there that slept eight to 10 people, but there was only 185 that were four bedrooms sleeping 12 or more. Right. So when you start to look at those numbers, you say, okay, well, in that market, it makes sense for me to go for like the 12 plus if you want to go bigger. At the same time, there's actually not a ton of smaller, like A-frame style houses, more of those kind of like cool, unique vibe, unique stays. There's not a ton of competition down at the four to six range e either, which are, you know, obviously a much lower price point. And those would be more of like a two bedroom. So you might get like a really small family. You might have like couples retreat type of deal with those houses. So it's just important to understand that. And what I've found, at least from the higher revenue generating properties, is any house that can sleep 12 or more seems to do the best up there. And the other reason I like those houses is that, you know, 
to be able to offset the expenses that might come with snow removal, shoveling, trash pickup, your hot tub fees and things like that, having the 12 or more just kind of gets you there easier. Um, it's a little bit more sustainable. Um, there's also location of the home. So we're going to talk about in a minute in the next slide, or it might be the one after a few different pockets that, you know, usually from a short-term rental perspective, I sort of share with people to move into and will does the same because there's definitely these pockets and clusters of areas up there that have the best or highest performing short-term rentals. Um, we've found that a lot of the highest producing homes up there have a cool view, even if it's a seasonal view. So my house up there does not have a year round view. Once the leaves fill in, you can't see those mountain ranges anymore, but at least having that photo shot from the winter, when you have a full view of the mountain, right from the loft of, of my house and from the deck, those seem to do really well. And what's nice about the houses with views is it makes it so um, like that is a draw. That is a draw to your house in that location. Um, things like amenities. So, uh, you know, down in, in the Smokies, more and more people are, are putting those indoor pools and all sorts of really neat things in their homes. You don't have to go quite that deep up in Bethel and Newry. Um, honestly, I really like to tell people a baseline is a hot tub. And there's actually a company up there called Mainly Tubs, and they'll sell you the hot tub with 0% financing. So really, your guests are paying for that hot tub. I got the most expensive one they had because I wanted to be able to fit seven to eight people, cost me 13 grand, 0% down, 0% financing, cost me 240 bucks a month, and that's 100% paid for by the guests. There might be some stuff that I call bonus amenities. So a bonus amenity might be a sauna, right? Like there's hardly any houses up there, especially in that that sort of four to seven hundred dollar ADR price range, like for a guest that has a sauna. Again, that's not actually that expensive of an amenity to add, but it can definitely help boost your rate um, and won't cost you that much money once you have it have it up there. Another bonus amenity that I like to tell people about is going to be having a generator. First, it protects your hot tub, but around Christmas, you know, everywhere from Maine down to Tennessee, people were having to um, put people up and put guests up in different locations, hotels or other STRs, or they're just having to give money back to people. We didn't have that problem because we installed a whole house generator last fall. And that's one of those things where, and you better believe I put right in my listing title after that generator, all in caps. And we got a ton of bookings after that. So just some of the things up there. Um, and the last one that I like to try and tell people to plan for, if the house doesn't have it, then think about installing it is air conditioning. You didn't used to need it up there. It didn't used to be as hot as it's starting to get, but more and more and more people are going up to the mountains in the summer to enjoy all the different things that are up there. Um, hiking, lake, boating, there's a casino up there, all sorts of stuff. And air conditioning is becoming more and more important. And it also makes it so people keep the windows shut at night. So if they're loud, they don't disrupt neighbors. Um, so we'll go through this next slide and I just want to pause uh, and see if there's any questions sort of before we jump into some of the data. Um, so when we break down the Sunday River area, there's sort of these four to five pockets that we usually tell people to key in on. Um, one, two, and three 
I'm going to go through all five real quick and, and will feel free to jump in um, too, if you have anything, but you know, the very first pocket that is usually the highest performing is circle. Number one, that is right where Sunday river is. And Sunday river, as Will was explaining is expanding out this way. So it's eight mountains. It's soon, not soon, but over the next several years, it's expanding out to 16 mountains and that's, what's going to make it the biggest in the country. And they do things like, uh, dirt biking, mountain biking, hiking, rock climbing, all sorts of stuff in the summer. But this area, you'll see a huge cluster of properties there that are super, super high performing. There's a bunch of breweries out there, restaurants, and a whole bunch of things. And what I'll say from a real estate perspective, there's a hotel out there, which it's a pretty sleepy hotel with a conference center, very high end luxury homes on the mountain, 3 million plus. You have a plethora of one bedroom condos in the mid 300s. And then you have some townhomes. And the reality is most of those homes are owner occupied there. The rentals that are there are very strong performers. So if you can get a single family in that zone one, uh, you're really in good shape. However, a lot of it is smaller condos, ultra luxury homes, and then the mid-tier homes a little bit further off the mountain. Yeah. And you know, those, when you get those single family homes that Will was just talking about, what's cool is a lot of them have a view of the mountain and that's what really makes them do well. Um, Zone two and three, I'm almost going to bundle together, but sort of this overlap, this is on, you know, this is on purpose, but this overlap between zone one and zone two, there's some really amazing pockets right in there. This is about 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes away from the mountain in this overlapped area. And there is another like really, really nice area for getting single family homes for less than a million dollars. It really can do 150 to 200 K. Um, people like that overlapped area because if, if somebody wants to take off, take a day off and doesn't want to go skiing, it's less than 10 minutes to get to downtown Bethel, which again, there's a bunch of restaurants and shops and things of that, things like that, or it's about five minutes to the mountains. So that area seems to perform really, really well. And there's also a bunch of activities along this river, Androscoggin river that you see that flows right around here. You'd think it'd be called Sunday river but it's not. Um, and then zone three. So this is West of Bethel. So this is the pocket where I have a home, uh, and it's about 18 minutes to Sunday river. But what's also cool is over here in zone four, you're going to see uh, Mount Abram. It's a smaller mountain. I actually take my son there to go skiing, which is a lot of fun. Um, and Mount Abram is a huge mountain biking area. They have a whole track and a whole, it's a whole bunch of cool stuff there. And what's neat though, is in zone three, you're less than 20 minutes to both of those, which a lot of people really, really love. Um, just hiding this bar. So a lot of people really love that. What we didn't share yet either is you're less than an hour to Mount Washington. You're less than an hour. I think you're about 45 to 50 minutes to North Conway and uh, New Hampshire and all of the uh, outlets, stores, and restaurants there. And then there's about five other ski mountains that you can get to within an hour from all of these different pockets. And then you also have a casino over in Oxford that's about 50, 55 minutes away that again, when you get people in for weddings, bachelor, bachelorette parties, they love just being able to go out to that stuff. Um, what's also pretty neat is 
uh, not to steal Will's thunder, but Will has um, Will has been in with a developer over here in the West Bethel area, and it's pretty cool. They've been working on designing those homes to specifically be short-term rental homes, and you can finish them off and say, "I want a movie theater here. I want you know the owner's closet right here." And it's just really, really neat. You can kind of design these things specifically to be short-term rentals. Um, so pocket four, the homes out here, they typically don't gross as much on like the daily rate front, um, mainly because they're out in a town called Greenwood, which again, you have this smaller mountain, which is great, but it is about a 25 minute drive out to Sunday river. But at the same time, the homes are a little bit more affordable. They might be more in that sort of four to 600 range rather than like the six to a million. Um, but they're still very consistent. If you have a great theme and you're right near the this Mount Abram, you're going to do pretty well. And the last piece is a little bit north. It's this area five right here. Um, and this is, I think it's called like Northern Bethel. Correct me if I'm wrong though, Will. Um, and there's, there's a few different clusters in there of homes that seem to do pretty well for short-term rental. It's just in an odd spot. So it's a little hard to get to Sunday River, just working around the river there. Let's see here. So I want to just show a few different views. And then um, after that, so maybe in about five minutes or so, why don't we break out STR Insights and just show the lay of the land in Newry from there. But, you know, this was, uh, I did not pull this from STR Insights. I'm sorry, Kenny. I pulled it from uh, from AirDNA. But it, overall, it's pretty accurate, you know, in terms of what I see. So in the Newry market, a good like you you do really want to be able to set your home up to be able to hit 70 to usually like high 70 percent occupancy rate um and it is pretty achievable um and this little graphic here i'd say that this isn't quite accurate i do find in january february march you actually want to be higher to about 85 to 95 percent occupancy um, I think Will's, his condo has been at like a hundred percent occupancy for a while now. And we've been at about 90 in the Bethel range, uh, Bethel area. And then in your, your slowest seasons are going to be April and May. Uh, they call it mud season. You're sort of in between spring skiing and it's not quite warm enough for summer yet for booking lead time, 91 days. I've been seeing it closer to, I guess, well, I guess my whole summer's booked up at this point. So that would be accurate for some of the bigger vacations. Um, and then we fill in a lot, almost in that three to four week range. And then, yeah, I'd say my average length of stays right around three to four days. And what I'll say from an occupancy perspective, the Newry area has such low inventory. A lot of these homes in the Newry area, they're owned by people using them as second vacation homes. Yeah. Oftentimes you might see they have a booking calendar open for 30 days a year, right? So they're just looking to pay their taxes pretty much with some rental income on the side. There's not a lot of purpose built, you know, highly utilized rental properties in this circle. So the folks that do have properties in this circle can really, really perform, you know, 70 to even 90%, like Dave said. Will's 100% accurate. Like if you look at some of the data, you'll notice a ton of houses that are only available for or even you know 30 days like will said or you'll see that they're available for like 180 to 220 days and the time of the year they're not renting it out is the winter 
and it's hilarious because even in those two thirds of the year, they'll still crack a hundred K and a lot of their photos are just taken with a cell phone. I mean, the, the competition level is really low, which is just something I love about the, uh, the market itself. And it does skew the data did a little bit for us. I mean, we know it because we know the market per, from an outsider's perspective, you see, you know, maybe 15% occupancy. Well, their ADR is outrageously high because they want only the best folks right. to rent it. Cell phone photos, oftentimes only listed on one booking platform, you know, mm-hmm. no SEO, and they're still doing over a hundred thousand. So it just shows the potential for strong operators. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Um, and then we have the Bethel areas, areas really it's two through five. Again, here, occupancy rate, I know it says 64. We've been, I think when I last checked, we've been at like 89% since last June. Um, or no, that was the revenue. We've been closer to like 85% since last June is what it was. And I would say an interesting experiment for us, Dave, at some point would be to pool the houses that are actually purpose rentals. Yeah, and some occupancy rates because it really seems to me eighty percent on average for folks that are just using them as short-term rental investment properties versus a lot of the folks keeping it for the ski season, renting it out for fall and summer, which is interesting. You're a hundred percent. That would be fun. Well, yeah. uh, maybe it's a, a project for my new intern. We'll see what happens. Um, great project. Yeah. <laughs> so this is some data I pulled. Um, what I want to do is. Kenny, would it be all right if we looked at this area in STR Insights and just hovered over some of the homes? Yeah, sure. We can do that. Let me share my screen. Is that okay? Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm going to stop sharing. Okay. Well, here. So um, I first want to just kind of show everybody like to support some of the stuff that uh, we were saying earlier, you were saying, Dave, earlier about the bedroom counts. Um, I think it's really important. Uh, so I've got Newry and Bethel pulled up here in SDR Insights. So one of the things SDR Insights that we try to focus on is what you guys just mentioned is we want to eliminate a lot of properties that aren't full-time rentals. So you might see our active listing counts a little bit less than you know what is listed on Airbnb. But keep in mind, we're only showing properties that are active 200 days or more. Um, however, the biggest thing though that you said and the data 100% supports it is pretty much the bigger the bed count, the, the higher the ROI. And there's a lot and it says it right here, you know, like, and even the revenue as well. Like we're starting to see kind of these jumps. Um, you know, if you go from say a two bedroom to a three bedroom, that's about 30,000, but you go from a three to a four, now you're talking 50,000 and then 20,000 for the five bed. Um, and you know, another 30 to 40,000 for the six bed. So like there is a massive jump from going from like your typical two and three beds to four plus. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there and that's exactly what the data says. So I, I really like that you guys like kind of mentioned that and I was like able to go, yes, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the data does support that, you know, um, you know what you're saying. So um, I, you know, we can look at the different markets, but so in STR Insights, we have the ability to actually dive in and look at the different properties. So this is just Nuri. Um, I'm going to open this up to show like the 50th percentile and above in terms of performance. Um, but you can see, though, that like you were saying as well, occupancy can really range here, too. You know, you've got some that are like brand new, but there's a there are a few properties who they only do it during the peak season. 
they turn their properties mm-hmm. off uh, during, you know, maybe the off season. And so when people aren't there. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. Whereas you might have some properties like this one, it's a nine bedroom, it has 93% occupancy. So that tells me, hey, you know what, there is a, uh, there are properties who are 100% full time, and there's a lot of properties that aren't full time. Um, and you can see that in Bethel too, we'll go to Bethel in a second. But we can isolate and see. Uh, also something too, I, I do want to point out, I like what you said about these little pockets. So you've got properties over on this side of the river and then properties over here. And as you scroll in, you know, you see the top performing properties where they're located. They're all over here. You know, you've got these little pockets. I'm assuming, Will, these are neighborhoods. You know, I, I don't really know. Yep. Small but, subdivisions, um, correct. Yeah, small subdivisions, right. So, you know, it, it you can see, hey, these are the areas that are performing best, obviously closer to the ski resort and not on the other side of the river or not over on the other side of the highway here. Um, what's think funny, is people always get freaked out when there's a bunch of short-term rentals in one neighborhood. And really, yeah. it's a positive thing, the way I look at it. And I know Dave has the same opinion. So, Well, yeah. and the data the data is supporting that. It's saying, and, and we see that a lot with ski, uh, especially ski areas is essentially like you want to be near the ski resort. But yep. a lot of times it's like these neighborhoods are these pockets and they're all going to be clustered together. But that's okay because people aren't there. They're not necessarily there to stay in this house. They're there to go to the ski resort and they want to be as close as possible. And then they have options within those neighborhoods of which houses they could pick from. So if you can provide the right amenities and the quality for them, then you'll beat out your competition kind of thing. Um, And then we see a lot of that with, you know, beaches as well, like being on the beach with a condo versus off the beach with a condo isn't going to perform as well. Um, we can click into here and, and actually like dive into the properties themselves and see, you know, what they look like and the quality um, of the listing. And, um, you know, to me, uh, you, I mean, this is a nice property. This is obviously a newer property. But, um, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, going through the pictures here and everything, I mean, it's nice, it's new, but it's not really these things that stand out like you yeah. would look if you were to go to Airbnb in the Smoky Mountains. You know, like I do, I do think this is a really nice property. And obviously this property is performing. I think we, oop, wherever it went, I think it was like 145 for a four bedroom. Yep. Wherever it was, but, uh, or 142, I, this might be it or not, but um, that's doing really, really well for a four bedroom property, um, you know, overall compared to the rest of the market. And it's because it's newer, but when you look through the pictures and things, you know, it just looks kind of basic. And, um, you know, so there is, there is some opportunity. Here's another four, three that's doing $20,000 less. We can dive in and try to figure out why. And really what we want to do is it's probably the quality of the property. Um, yeah, is we want... um, pretty simple, ahead, right? Man. When you see properties like that, and I work with a lot of homeowners like that, where they want to buy their dream vacation home, they furnish it barely, and then they hand it over to a big management company. So these are folks that they're, they think they're crushing it in their own regard. They're just not savvy investors. So a lot of times when you see those style listings, even you can recognize the management companies through their profile picture pretty simply. That's the backstory for a lot of these houses. Yeah, I know that that makes 100% sense. And they're not really looking to maximize their revenue and self-manage, you know, like the furniture, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's nothing mm-hmm. to write home about. And and so to me, um, there's just a lot of like 
this, this smells like opportunity. This is a nice house. Don't get me wrong. Like they're there. This isn't it's updated property. Um, but you know, the furnishings and everything is basic and there's very little design decor to the property and it's run by a property management company as well. And so it looks like they're not really trying to maximize that revenue to the fullest. So, um, I hundred percent agree that, um, there is, it just smells like opportunity when I look at these kind of markets, you know, and this is a top performer. This isn't some like right. bottom of the well, <laughs> like this means that there there's probably like a higher demand. Um, that's willing to pay more. And we can probably find that in some of these other properties that are on the you know higher end of the spectrum in terms of you know certain bed count. We're picking on four beds here, but you know, like the difference, there's 140s, 178. So let's see what the difference between this property is. And I think this one was like one or this one was 120 something, but um, and it's probably proximity, simply proximity to it. Um, but it once again, I mean, like that's not something hard to replicate in my mind. You know what I mean? Like this style and this, like what the furnishings and everything, like it's not hard to go into these markets and do something like this and then top it. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm very bullish on this market too, is you've got the growth, you've got the numbers to support everything. But then when you actually come down and look at the competition and you look at what people are doing, that what I call the barrier of entry, it's very limited, meaning that this is the gold standard right now. You know, uh, it's very easy to top that and, and to to and excel. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess I've kind of like dove in pretty deep here. Do you want me to it. look at Bethel or or yeah, any other questions or how do we want? What do we want to do from here? <laughs> yeah, and let me let let me uh, let's start to move over to Bethel. But let me also just ask um, folks: feel free to unmute yourself and jump in and ask any questions while we go ahead and do that. And I've actually kind of changed my language too uh, with Kenny and Dave. I no longer call these like comparables. I I use the word relevant. A lot of the work, folks I'm working with now, I tell them, hey, here's a revenue number. However, a lot of times you can do maybe 20 to 25% more. So it's less of a comparable asset. It's more of a, hey, this is a relevant property that's being rented right now. A lot of these times, you know, people from the masterminds, things like that are just crushing the numbers that are set forth from a lot of these very basic chalets that are under management. Yeah. And, and I, and what's really interesting to me too, I'll, you know, I just, I keep, here's a four bed that popped up. There's a four bed. It's further away from the ski resort, but it's making the same amount as that one that was like right there. So, you know, that that property is underperforming, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and when you look, once again, you look at the pictures and it's like kind of dark and there's no, um, like the furnishings are, they're nice, but there's nothing that makes it pop or stand out. I mean, you look at this kitchen and, um, you know, it's nothing to write home about. And there's things you could add to it, like a pop of color or some greenery or things like I do like that. But like on the counters, it just looks naked, you know? <laughs> and so, I, I mean, like that's the kind of stuff I, you know, they took professional photos here. That's probably why they're making about the same as those properties that are right on the resort, even though they're miles away. Yeah. But it's still naked. There's still stuff missing. There's still things they could do better to really maximize and attract guests. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, we can find that kind of opportunity where things stand out. Something else though, like what you guys talked about is, you know, obviously like the little pockets. So this area here, it looks like 
you know, is, is kind of where you want to be. If you're going to be in Bethel, you know, is along here um, on this main highway. So basically getting that access to possibly the ski resort um, I'm assuming I'm going to let Will, yep. you know, answer that, but that, but the data and just where those points are, where those top performing properties, because we're in the 90th percentile here is saying, Hey, this is the area that you need to target. Um, and interestingly enough, I, whenever we, we had planned this out a couple of weeks ago, and then whenever you like have a market on your mind, you also start seeing like people like post about it, like randomly throughout. So like, I saw someone the other day post, like, check out my new like cabin in Bethel. And I was like, that's really random, <laughs> but it is catching the eye. I think it's one of these markets that, um, you know, it's definitely emerging and becoming something greater. And so for me, recognizing the, what, what I mentioned, that barrier of entry in terms of the competition or the comparables isn't quite at that level yet. I think that the revenue ceiling hasn't been reached yet. I think there's actually more that people can make. Um, they just haven't been able to, especially with those high occupancy rates. You know, if you're, you know, Dave, if you're getting 85, 90%. I mean, for me, in my mind, I'm like, let's raise rates, let's attract, like, get more people and provide that value for them as well. And I think that that's definitely possible here. A lot of markets I see that are saturated, there's a lot of heavy competition. It's kind of like you've seen this mat, like, there's some really nice properties. And they're kind of like, this is the ceiling. You know, here, it's like, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing nice, gorgeous properties, but the listings aren't like above and beyond. And so to me, that smells like opportunity. So what I'll yeah. say to the biggest opportunity I see is a lot of these properties were purchased, you know, right around 2010 by homeowners, the kids go to college and then they hold on to them as investments because their interest rates are so low. The turnover that's happening now when these short-term rental investors are coming in and picking up inventory and changing it, we will see a change. And I kind of just tell people, you know, people that are renting these, they want to live like it's a vacation. They want the high ceilings. They want the big living rooms. They want the big kitchen islands to hang out with. And if you can see a property with dark brown walls and old 2008 furniture performing like that, you know, what would what would happen if you put accent walls in and really optimized it like we're seeing in the Smokies, you know, a much more competitive market. And I think, like you yeah. said, rate increases, you know, a house like this, they probably bought for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars um 10 years ago and now it's performing over one hundred fifty thousand in revenue it it's crazy because i mean i don't even think yeah the photos are just terrible, terrible but yeah i'm gonna um, jump in and i mean just say uh appreciate your passion on that on this market it's a lot of similarities to new hampshire where i am with the little hundred oh, percent yeah little pockets you know I, and i've been in in the, in the property management industry for 20 years so i, I grew up shoveling the walkways up in the quichi vermont mountain areas and all these just these pockets so tons of similarities i'm interested um you know will on something that touches on 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 that in that zone five that's kind of close like how does the the assets perform up there on the water um you know my 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 company's pond life so we try to buy assets that are that are you know somehow have that aspect. So you see them high performing in the summer. I'm seeing the market up there is a lot like us, a lot of still regular homeowners either running their properties, handing them off to somebody without, you know, the attention to detail. Um, so. Yeah, there's know, one off the top of my head that is doing over 250,000 revenue right off on the river. Um, the other side of it is, you know, 
it's either you're kind of on the river or close to it. There's, you know, you're on one side of it or the other. A lot of times people are trying to get on the left side closer to the mountain. However, there is a big opportunity to be right on the river. Um, and you can ride an inner tube on there, swim in the river. It's very active in that sense. Um, however, from a revenue perspective and rental perspective, there's not a lot of properties doing that yet. Uh, so there is some opportunity there. Here, here's one right here we just found. I mean, this yep. is a six bed, five and a half bath. It's making $180,000 and it's got a swimming pool. I didn't that's see any other properties with swimming pool, but look at the pictures. I mean, like, you know, that's not like they still have their Christmas decor up, um, you know. Like, so I, to me, like, yeah. So like if you maybe being on water, having a swimming pool, obviously the hot tub is important, but even if you can get that swim, I mean, that just elevates and shows a return on investment. So, I mean, we could take a look at, you know, here's maybe another one. I'm kind of like trying to find ones that have water views. It's it's tough from the map, from the high level, but like this one. Um, yeah. I mean, it's doing, let's see this six beds doing 155. And I know um, that one in particular, Kenny, they do a lot of direct bookings. So I think they do about probably a hundred thousand in direct bookings on the side. That's on the side, best. yeah, and that's like me. Like some of the data you got to remember is skewed. I mean, uh, our places we've been doing it for so long. 2016 is when I got these waterfront properties, and it's some of it. You know, it's not getting captured. You know, I tell people that. You know. mm. Sure. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, I do think. I mean, if you studied out, you know, hey, what do you know? If I can find some other six bedrooms over here or ones over here, is there a revenue difference between ones on the water versus off the water? That's how I would do it. I'd break it out in a spreadsheet and you can export properties here too and get that spreadsheet. But um, creating that buy box in that criteria. So like, you know, hey, this six bedroom had a pool and it was making this and it was near the water and it's on the left side of the highway, like those individual characteristics and then comparing that from property to property. And that's really how you identify that true value of, okay, does it need to be on this river or is it more of the location of the property that happens to be near the river? You know, in statistics, we say correlations, not causation, you know, and we have to back that. And I think there's a lot of water here. So we could, you know, naturally think, okay, if I'm on the water, I'll make more money, but is it truly that, or is it maybe just the location and the proximity? So that's how you got to break that out though. Kind of what, like what you were saying. And, and that's how I would do that. So. And it could be a view of the water too, which could be important. And there are some of these houses that have, uh, they're not waterfront, but some of them that are close enough to have a view of the water do have some sort of deeded access to the water that seems to be enough to like capture people's attention and, and get them down there. As long as the photos are good. Um, and you know, from a property management perspective, you might've noticed that same like one or two logos on a lot of the properties up there. And that, you know, as a co-host in that market, I only manage a, like a small handful of properties, but it's been awesome because, you know, people that have a home, in like with one of those bigger management companies, I think they felt almost like they were forced to, to do it because they didn't know how to go find a cleaner and a hot tub person. And, um, but those companies are so big that they can't give individual attention to homes or treat each home like a business. And so it's a great market. If you ever just wanted to think about trying to self-manage, you know what I mean? Because again, all that support system is around you. Or don't be scared to go with a smaller property manager. Of course, like we're always happy to help underwrite houses or manage for people. But I also just love supporting people that want to do self-management or give it a real 
honest try because it's not as impossible when you just have a team mindset and a good photographer. Yeah. Will knows an amazing <laughs> photographer. I use him for all my properties and I'm bring, I'm actually bringing him down to Cape Cod from Portland, Maine. <laughs> it's like, dude, you are, he's really, really good, but Will has a ton of amazing connections in this market. Yeah, there's a revolution that's happening. That's for sure. It's a good word. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be running around Nashville saying there's a revolution. <laughs> well, the truth is, too, this market for the longest time, it was an old sleepy ski town where you'd call the management company in town and you'd book your, your stay. So it's really starting to change now. And like Dave said, you know, having great photos and some small interior design, like Kenny said, I mean, the opportunity is endless. Yeah. Um, so with that, but you know, I, because we can kind of click on these these things all day. I know that we're coming up to the end of our hour here. I want to just sort of open it up. Andrew, thanks for it. That was a great question um, that you asked there. Does anybody else have um, any questions or thoughts or wants to kind of review any of the content that we presented earlier? I got one more question. Um, what about um, the market peak time? I think it might have cut out on you. Can you can you try that again, um, Andrew? Um, tiny homes. I heard tiny homes. Were, are you at, it cut out for a hot minute? Uh, performance of tiny homes. Yeah, they, yeah. Big any any of that going on? Tiny homes, unique tree houses. Just curious, you know, if that's. I managed. I managed a, ge a geodesic dome that was pretty cool up there. Um, yep, I remember that. I would say is that in this market, you aren't seeing many tiny homes, but that doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for it. Because, you know, in support of what Andrew just asked, a lot of these homes come with a ton of land. Like my house sits on six acres and I am allowed to build on it. And that's a huge perk because there's not much development up here other than sort of in the town center. And, oh, is this one of those houses that was listed for sale? It is. Yeah. So th these are all really the That's one bedroom the are apartments or condos. Um, not a lot of, I mean, there's a couple of yurts I know in Bethel, not a lot of small, tiny homes, which is really interesting. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to build them on little foundations, you know, and make not, you know, not like a trailer tiny home, but make it like a real home on, you know, small a frame. A frame. Yeah. We got a 241 we put on last year, just a little glamping, you know, and I didn't even have a bathroom. I mean, we literally dropped a porta potty at the top of the property. I'm not joking. And, and, it's unbelievable yeah. the revenue it did in, in four months. Um, well, so a lot of, a lot of times to support what you're saying, Andrew, like there's a ton of logging companies out here. So if you buy either a home that has some acreage or just land, you can then make money by selling that, you know, selling the, the trees, selling the wood. And yep. if you want to build, it's not uncommon too to get a lot of that lumber for free from the logging company for giving them a discount to go log your land. So there's not a, you know, that's one thing I love about the Northeast, particularly like New Hampshire and Maine, is that developing and getting land cleared can be more cost effective or even a revenue opportunity, whereas it's really an expense in Massachusetts or even places in Vermont, it can be an expense. It can be revenue too, but, um, 
definitely yeah, some opportunities. I think there's a good, good market there. I mean, we have a land lot over in Unity by Crescent Lake, little small sleeper, you know, that we're working on putting a bunch of small, tiny yeah. homes on. And then my other property, which has the existing glamping camp we're building, we're permitted for a 420 foot home up above the 240. So we'll have yeah. two kind of tiny homes, you know, on the same waterfront property. So we're trying yeah. to do some unique stuff. So I'm definitely interested in land stuff that comes up that maybe has multiple cabins will, or if it's, even if it's old and run down, um, I own a development real estate. We do a lot of foreclosure, I do all the property preservation and bank foreclosure mm-hmm. work throughout Vermont and New Hampshire. So if you do run in any foreclosure work, there's, I just think there's going to be a chance to recapitalize here based yeah. on my three hour, three hour banking meeting yesterday. <laughs> um, and charge offs coming up, but uh, you know, keep me in mind for those those type of opportunities. So absolutely. The other thing when it comes to building and development is there's like there's no code enforcement. <laughs> there's there's no not code. even a code officer. Yeah. Um, it's not saying go build something that's going to fall over, but what it says is your path to build and then recognize revenue is a lot easier than other areas of the country we'll just we'll put it that way so yeah I'll, I'll second that you know here in Croydon we don't have a building department and it's uh there's a lot of towns like that and I believe in quality housing as well and doing it right meeting life safety code and everything but uh definitely a lot of opportunity operating in these uh northern pockets so I uh, appreciate everybody's passion especially Kenny he really got passionate when he dived into that data so that was great yeah <laughs> fires me up I love it. And uh, I want, you know, for anyone that watches this layer too, I want to give a little shout out to Andrew here. So Andrew uh, is a real estate investor among a million other things in real estate, but he is also an author, a published author in Hospitable Host, the first volume, the OG. I'm not the OG, I'm in the second one. Um, But he's also um, another book, uh, reputation driven. So, uh, definitely recommend to folks to go get that. Um, uh, yeah, available ebook or hard, harder soft cover. Um, and I think hospitable host, yeah, Amazon, get it on Amazon. So, uh, it's pretty cool. And then, uh, actually Andrew's episode of my podcast comes out next week too. So you can, (laughs) you can learn more about him there. Um, awesome. Well, I know we're at the top of the hour. Um, so with that, uh, feel free, we'll, we'll put some contact information here. Always feel free. Uh, Will Van Wickler, uh, the, the like number one realtor up there, there's Kenny Bedwell, um, CEO of SDR insights. Um, myself, Dave, Men- CEO, Mr. <laughs> Chief. Um, and then myself, Dave Menapace of the five-star co-host. Uh, it was, it was honestly a pleasure getting to jump in and dive about this. And if we were allowed, we'd probably go for another three hours on this. So appreciate everyone's time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, be well, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Me too. Nashville. Absolutely. Yeah.
This podcast is brought to you by the Five Star Co-host, an Airbnb management and consulting company that helps homeowners turn their properties into passive income streams through short-term rentals. Do you want to turn your vacation house into a passive income stream? Then look no further. The Five Star Co-host has served over a thousand guests in several Airbnb properties and in varying markets. The SDR Co-host or the Five Star Co-host is at the vanguard of the short-term rental industry by leveraging technology and systems to maximize the guest experience while achieving high revenue for owners. Get a free home analysis by emailing the five star co-host at gmail.com. That's the five star co-host at gmail.com. T-H-E-F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-C-O-H-O-S-T at gmail.com.